0: It is Canuck Central. It is Friday. You know what that means. Mailbag Friday is here. Each and every Friday, we take your questions. And I do want to shout out the listeners of Canuck Central Sat because uh, every week, uh, Mailbag Friday is one of our best performing um, segments, podcasts. We get a ton of questions every week. Shouts to you, the listener, for providing so many great questions and continuing to support the program. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and that way you'll never miss any Mailbag Friday, potentially any of the questions you ask on a Mailbag Friday, or any of our other exclusive content here on Canuck Central.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, very excited for the mailbag as always. Some great questions. It's a special trade deadline edition. We'll, we'll answer all sorts of questions, but yes. obviously with the deadline being only a couple of days away, the fans, they they want
0: answers to their questions. One thing I will say for those that have been asking me and, and DMing me, no, I have not tried the Crystal Mall food court yet. Man, I got to do that. I want to. <laughs> I really do want to. Honestly, like, I remember Anyways. I
1: went home and, you know, I looked it up again. I'm like, yeah, these things have some good places. And people were texting in a bunch yeah. of suggestions. So I've written a few down. So uh, I want to go.
0: My wife actually had to pick up something at uh, Metro Town. And I drove by and I did see the Abdul's barbecue. You did. At Crystal Mall that looked. that. Listeners have told us is really incredible. I'm like, I should have stopped. But it was it was already kind of late, so it was late at night, you mean? Yeah. Or? It was like after eight o'clock. We had already had dinner. Oh yeah. Well you could have always like take taken it home with you. <laughs> and then pulled it out on the couch. Just take it on a doggy <laughs> bag. All right. I'll take it to go, please. All right. Give me that mailbag music. It's the mailbag Friday. Uh, your questions at Sat TR on Twitter puts out the call for your questions. And you provide Uh, many coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, as I see right now as well. Appreciate those. We'll try to get to as many as we can here over the next 20 or so minutes. First up, uh, Leo, with this question, in earlier Mailbag Fridays, you said you expected approximately two to three trades. Ah. Is this still the case? Okay, so what I think we did is we set the over-under. Yes. Sack gives props. So we had to set a number on it. We set a line. Two and a half. Two and a half trades. So are we still going over or under on the two and a half?
1: Well, just like betting odds, the line yeah. shifts based on the information you gather and what kind of happens. And yeah. one thing that happened was the Canucks won a lot of games, right? Yep. Now You were probably getting juice on the under before. You were getting some juice on the under. Now, now it's probably even money.
0: Now it's kind of even
1: money, right? Yeah. And I'd say the over-under, two and a half. Will we change it to two? I guess I said... One and a half is yep. that the new
0: line? One and a half. I I'd, st- I'd still say two, two and a half. two and a half still because Mott yeah. gives you one, so then you just need one other trade. You get yeah, you would take get you over the top. You would have gotten really good juice on d under. Yeah,
1: now you're right. It's not it's not great. So I I still say you're right. The line is still two and a half because I think they probably do end up making two trades. Yeah, do they make a third?
0: That that could be the wild card, right? Right. That's where. Uh, Pearson, Halak, uh, Garland, maybe like that's where the wild card trade comes in. Is if you get to three,
1: right? I mean, it's for instance, if they do figure out something for Halak, that's one, like you mentioned, yeah. and you make a decision on Ma. That's I think I think two are happening, one yeah. way or another, and then maybe uh, Luke Shen. Or somebody, I'm still going to go over three. Uh, over three? Like, I'll go Ooh. over two and a half. You, you want? You're expecting a spicy trade deadline, aren't you? You know,
0: there's 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 a wild card up Jim Rutherford's sleeve that oh, we're not yeah. seeing right now.
1: Oh yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, you know, and you know, we mentioned yesterday. What what if I told you what's more likely? One of the usuals get traded. Yeah, has been mentioned. You know, Garland, Besser, Mott, um, or even JT Miller, who's you know definitely not going anywhere. Or other. I think other is picking up steam. Mm. Right? Other is definitely Shen, picking right? Pearson's name. Listen, nothing might happen. We might sit here and be like, oh, well, I guess there was zero Canuck trades or whatever. But I think the other is something that hasn't been talked about enough that is probably just as likely as anything else.
0: Uh, let's go to Abby. Uh, we were just talking to Alex Faust. Uh, one of the names that comes up with the LA Kings... Brock Faber is Brock Faber and a first fair value for Garland in a trade with LA yes that's fair value so Faber is a hot shot right shot defenseman yeah was a second round pick but uh, has performed really well Mm -hmm. and has a lot of hype around him the Kings are similar to the Rangers in that they've got quite the depth Uh, At right shot D, you know, Sean Dersey has been a really good find for them. They uh, got him in the Jake Muzzin trade Mm -hmm. with Toronto a couple of years ago. He's had a really good season, so he's emerged. They obviously have Dowdy there for a long time. So right shot D is where they have surplus. I think if you're doing a deal with L.A., you've got to get one of those right shot D.
1: Yeah. Uh, Are you getting that, though? That that remains to be the question. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you get a first and Faber. Like I'm not sure LA would do that, but would yeah. I make that
0: deal? Yes. Yeah. Um Lots of those questions around Garland, so we'll uh skip some of the other ones. Um Creed Bratton. How many firsts are the Canucks getting on Monday? Uh whew. they'd have to trade one of their uh, bigger pieces to get that. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure. Like I'd I don't, still... I don't
0: like I don't think they end up getting like I know the Brandon Hagel trade was like, oh, wow. Like, how many firsts for Brandon Hagel? But, again, Mott's a rental, so it's harder to get that late round first for Tyler Mott. Yeah. So the betting line for a first-round
1: pick acquisition is .5. Yep. Right? Over, under... Uh, again, like I'm, as much as you know, Garland's name is out there and all that sort of stuff, so far, from everything that's kind of been out there, I mean, none of these teams are giving a good enough offer yet. And we'll see if that changes by Monday. That's the big question. And sometimes they do change. The offer is the last minute on the trade deadline. But if I had to guess, I'd still say no to a first-round pick because I'm just not sure they're, they're, they will move a big piece.
0: Uh, let's get in a couple of lineup questions here for the mailbag. Um, William... Can Pedersen get some better wingers? That combination with Patan was like someone punched me in the gut. Yeah. This is the thing with the way the Canucks lineup is now working. You have Miller, who's going to get Pearson and either Garland or Besser. Um, And he's your first line center right now. Mm -hmm. Horvat... One of Horvat or Pedersen is going to have, um, you know, a, a tough look with, with the wingers based on how Boudreaux wants to make it look. And the way Pedersen had been playing before, it's like, well, I can put pretty much anybody with Pedersen and they'll have some level of success. And I think
1: that's part of it. And also how poorly everybody played. Brock was not very good. No, um, the next level energy wasn't there. Garland was doing his thing. Miller was doing his thing for the most part, right? So you want to move those guys away. I think with I think it showed the level of frustration Boudreaux had with Brock's game yesterday, yeah. and he didn't say anything about Brock. He was asked about Brock and said he's not going to throw any one player under the bus, but he threw the entire team under the bus instead and just criticized. I mean, when them. you're
0: asked specifically about a player and be like, "I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus," it kind of does tell you in a way how you felt. Right. How he felt about a certain player's game.
1: And at five on five, Besser played less than two minutes more than Chase on at five on five. Yeah. I think the fact that Pedersen didn't get better wingers, I think, was an indictment on the other guys not playing with them.
0: See, I, I'd wonder if Brock is affected by the constant rumor mill around him. And the uncertain situation. I wonder. But, I mean, he's lived that for so many years He now. has. So, I've, I've heard conflicting things, right? I've heard I've heard that he is very
1: frustrated by the trade rumors, right? Yeah. And who wouldn't be to some degree? Mm-hmm. I, I, and that of, of all the guys, he's the guy that's been impacted the most by it. I've heard that. Yeah. But then I've also heard talking to people around the team that they don't notice anything different from Brock. They don't notice him carrying himself differently. He's still the same, you know guy that's always kind of smiling and getting along with everybody and is and is happy to be there type of type of deal so i'm not quite sure you know where it's at you know mentally with him with all the trade talk but would i be surprised that he's more consistent after the deadline no i wouldn't be
0: um a lot of questions about brock today for the mailbag rockford why is besser's why is besser a ghost of his first year and why is his skating slower than his first year. His skating... I don't know if his skating is slower, to be honest. Um, I I would say Brock's skating hasn't improved a ton. Um, You know, we talk about Horvat and how skating was a question mark for Horvat, and he really worked at it, and it's less of a question mark now. Has Brock improved his first step? Has he, you know, improved... His speed he's not it, more dynamic he's no not. it seems as though he does and hey you know I haven't gone back and watched a lot of the tape from his first year but my feeling is that his short area quickness and his ability to create a little bit of space to get his shot off more often hasn't been there as much
1: no it hasn't been but I do think it's unfair to say I mean he's a shell of his former self or yes whatever. I mean,
0: I mean if, if he you still look at scores it, at a pretty good clip yeah he's
1: still scoring right and this year not quite as much as you want but he's been a lot better since Boudreau took over right but you know it's, it's just one of those things for for me for, for him it's about the money Mm -hmm. Right, because he is a flawed player to some degree. He's not going to be what you thought he was going to be after his first year. He's never going to be this burner, right? But he's a guy that can produce. He's a guy that can score, and those guys are not easy to find. Yannick was critical of Brock's game last night and talked about the flaws in his game, but then he was quick to say those guys are very hard to find and very hard to replace. So as much as he's imperfect, it comes down to one simple thing. Is there more value in keeping Brock at a number that makes sense for the team or trading it for something that's not going to be what people want it to be value-wise? Because you're not getting the haul people are talking about right now for Brock Besser.
0: Uh, Ella, why does Bruce refuse to play Patterson and Besser together? <laughs> Good question. It really is. I mean, yeah. uh, I
1: know Bruce has said... A lot about how you know Hoaglander and Petey are friends now. Hoglander's you know sit, um, injured and all that sort of stuff, but part of me, I don't want to be like, oh, he he doesn't like the fit or whatever, doesn't think they're friends. I don't I don't think it's anything like that. What I think is he views Brock as a certain type of player that excels with a line that's going to play down low. Yeah, and you look at how he's played with Miller and they've had success. You look at how him and Horvat have had success. It's all below the hash, you know, it's grinding and it's kind of, you know, cycling and then bringing the puck up close and, and trying to jam it away and, you know, try to shoot from as close to the hashes as possible. Right. Maybe it's just that he doesn't think stylistically, that's what he wants to do and with how he's building his lineup. And he just doesn't go there. I think he's, he looks at Pedersen and says, maybe that's a line that's going to create more off the rush and through transition and, you know, with a more creativity. That's the hockey answer. But I don't think that's strong enough. I think at some point when th- things aren't going well, why not try Pedersen and Besser back together again? At least give it a shot. Um,
0: this question coming in for the mailbag brad and Pitt meadows why can vancouver's top skilled players score more efficiently against a vesna quality goaltender than say myself tied to the post with <laughs> nylon rope equipped with foam rubber duct tape to my body as padding so the millhouse
1: yes pretty much you know <laughs> hockey's a
0: hell of a sport
1: man like that's what it is and sometimes you know this is something that goes back decades right now yep. you know in Vancouver, backups have haunted this team in the past. I mean, the most famous one was Curtis Sanford, uh, and that was back in 05-06, no, uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was, when the Canucks missed the playoffs. Um, or 6 or actually 07 or 08, I think it was. In one of those years, I forget which one it was exactly. But they lost four games against St. Louis Blues. And Curtis Sanford stood on his head all, all four up, of those games. And Blues up. were a bad team then, yeah. right? This was not a good Blues team. And Sanford, a backup, was just crushing the Canucks, and had they won a couple of those games, they'd be a playoff team. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's a team that costs you. So this goes back a long time, maybe to what Boudreaux mentioned, to try to find an answer for this team, maybe they do take some opponents lightly. Maybe that's part of the maturity that this team still has to kind of find, not to be arrogant, like Boudreaux mentioned.
0: They, um, they put up 43 shots on Nedeljkovic, how many were real like five alarm saves? A handful, and I mean a couple... Demko still had to make more five alarm saves than than Nadelkovic
1: did. Demko was a was definitely definitely the goalie that faced the harder chances. Yeah. absolutely, no question about it. Right, and yeah, he made this breakaway save on Horvat, which is a good save, right? And Garland and Garland too. Um, Besser, I think, especially the two chances, yeah, he just whiffed. Yeah. Right. I mean, if he doesn't whiff, that probably goes in, and we're having a different conversation here potentially, right? But I think that's a lot of it is that.
0: So the biggest saves he made, yeah, the the breakaways. um, Garland found Pearson on a couple of occasions in the slot area. Uh, The save on Pedersen in the first period was pretty big, where Patan just kind of shot it across the ice and Pedersen tipped it on and he got his blocker to it. You know, but like other than that, you know, they were kind of all routine. So it's you know? like
1: five or six chances we're yeah. talking about here. I think we named pretty much all of them. So it's like, yeah, you threw a lot of pucks, not a lot of quality.
0: And that's uh, always uh, one of the uh, question marks that uh, you, you have to think of. Like, you know, 43 saves. That was a lot of volume. Was there a lot of quality there? Not necessarily. Uh, so Appreciate the question and appreciate the creativity with the question from Brad and Pitt Meadows. Uh, Discount Dracula. What happens if they can't move Halak? I mean, do you think Bruce really wants to start him again? That's from uh, Discount Dracula. I'd say, you know, that we're hearing Demco starts both games this weekend. One, it speaks to their desperation, two, it speaks to their lack of confidence in Halak. But, look, if the Canucks fall out of the race and Halak is still a member of the team, Halak's going to get a lot of those back-to-backs, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if, if that's the case, right? And right now, with how Halak's played and how big these games are, I can understand, especially losing that game against Detroit. Like, you're at a point where we're talking about how you can't lose both—you have to win both of these games. You know what you can't do is lose both of these games. Like, you're done. You lose both of these games, it's over. Like, it's not even worth having conversations about playoffs anymore if they lose both these games back-to-back. Yeah. That means all you can lose is, like, four more games the rest of the season, and you got to go 14-4 and in your final 18, which isn't happening, right? So, what happens regardless on Saturday, we could see Demko play, but... If he has a relatively easy night or doesn't face a ton, I think for sure he plays on Sunday then. Because I don't think Woodley throws that stuff out if if it's not a possibility.
0: Yeah. um, Very unlikely. Uh, Let's get a final couple of uh, Canucks questions out there. Um, Tones wants to know, when you say different, how different do you realistically think this team could look next year? Dom with a similar question. What does a hard reboot, essentially only keeping Hughes, Demko, and even trading Petey look like? That would be uh, really crazy. I don't think the changes go that far. Mm-mm. We've said Petey is untouchable uh, as of right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I know Petey's not going anywhere. Uh, they're not trading him. And, I mean, the question with JT comes down to the contract negotiations. I don't see more than maybe one of those forwards going ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about the core guys, right? J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, Bull Horvat, and Connor Garland. Like those four guys with control and uh, the club still has on those guys. I can see one going. I don't. I don't think multiple of those guys are going. Um, now, when it comes to the rest of the lineup, and Oel not going anywhere. Neither mm-hmm. is Hoglander most likely, and Putkosen for sure uh, isn't going anywhere. The rest of the guys, though, I think anything can happen. Yeah, like I think a lot of things can happen, a lot of different moves, and what we could deem as sideways moves too. Like well, they're kind of, sh- I think they're going to shake things up considerably this off season. So I think outside of maybe like five or six guys, seven guys, maybe like a lot of things can can go down.
0: One thing I think they really need to do is shift some of the commitments dollar wise to from defense to forwards. Um, well, they also the thing they want to do is add a right
1: side defenseman.
0: And they want to add a right-side defenseman.
1: I mean, they've mentioned it them themselves, right? I mean, so it's not like us recording yeah. anything. They've said themselves said it. Ideally, I think what they want to do is get a young player. Yeah. And that's why you hear, you know, that's why, you know, Braden Schneider from New York, you heard his name kind of thrown out there, mm-hmm. right? And they're now moving him. Nils Lundqvist, again, a right-side defenseman. So – Ideally, in a perfect world, I think they love to get that right side defenseman who's young and cheap and controllable for one of their bigger assets. And he comes in and slots in a bit cheaper. And I think that makes your back end a bit better. I think that's what they would love to get. And I, and I do wonder about New York in general, though, because the Canucks, I don't think we're willing to do the Miller deal with them, of course. But Keedle and
0: Lungfist and the first.
1: Right. They've checked in on Connor Garland, the Rangers. Yeah. Would they do Unquist for for Garland, and would that make the Canucks think mm-hmm.
0: right? Unquist still a really good prospect. Um, that would be an interesting one. Uh, look, uh, by different, how different could it look? There's three staples on this team. I think they do keep one of Miller or Horvat, um, and probably end up extending them. I think Brock stays. I think I, I don't think they're like actively trying to trade to Connor Garland, but it's one of those things where you know, he is a movable piece with a lot of value and mm-hmm. that's why they are considering it, especially with the cap commitments they already have. I wonder if Tyler Myers is long for Vancouver. So there's a lot of different moves that they can make. The one thing I think about with Miller when it comes to his extension sat, and I thought about this today as I was shopping at Winners, actually. At Winners? What did you get? Nothing. I was just... You know, just looking around? I, I went out for a walk and it was raining, so... Did I you just... go through the
1: art to see if there's anything new?
0: <laughs> I've actually been looking for a carry-on luggage, and uh, oh, really? I, they didn't have anything I liked. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of duffel bagging it all the time, so...
1: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's if if you're taking a flight that's say over 2 hours yeah. and you're staying somewhere for more than 2 or 3 days, mm-hmm. I'm with you. You kind of need the actual luggage.
0: Yeah. It's nice it's nice to have. It's not a must have, but it's nice to have. Nice to have. Um but I was I was thinking about this. Like let's say Kadri, mm-hmm. like Kadri would be a better comp for Miller almost than anybody. And Let's say Kadri goes to UFA this summer and gets a smaller number than you think. All of a sudden, does that change what JT Miller ends up at?
1: Potentially, to some degree.
0: Uh, Kadri's going to get a new contract at 31. Miller will be 30.
1: I think it does, potentially, to some degree, right? And it comes down, it, ultimately for JT, I think it comes down to what type of year he has heading into his final year, right? Or uh, coming out of his final year. So next season, if he doesn't sign an extension with Vancouver wants to hit UFA... His contract is going to be determined by how he plays in the final year of his contract. Yeah, Right? I think that's what it's going to be. I think what he's done is show that no matter what, he's getting paid. Like Even if he has a bad year next season, he is getting paid, but he's not getting eight. So let's say he has a year next year where he gets 60 points in 80 games. He might get $7 million over six years. Right or five years, he mm-hmm. might get six times six or something along those lines. But he ain't getting this massive contract, of eight million per year, you know, long term type of deal. His best chance of doing so is this off season, and the only team that can sign him to that contract is the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Uh, all right, let's close out the mailbag with a uh, couple of questions outside of the Canuck world. Aaron, do you like Baker Mayfield? Aaron, I think you know. The answer to this question, is this a rhetorical question?
1: I mean, I don't dislike him as a person. I dislike him as a quarterback and as a leader and as somebody who should not be the starting quarterback (laughs) and is no longer the starting quarterback of my Cleveland Browns. And I see people asking about the Browns trade. We'll talk about that on the other side.
0: Um, We will. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Deshaun going to the Browns coming up in just a little bit. I... Pete Carroll's gonna trade for for Baker Mayfield. And I'm gonna be very upset about it. Well, do you see Baker now is like saying, I I, I prefer to
1: go to Indianapolis. That oh. is my preferred destination. It's <laughs> like I was like, bro, you ain't got no say. Yeah. You, like, you haven't played well enough. You have you don't have a no trade clause. You go wherever you get sent. Yeah. That's like that's like Tyler Mott being like, ah, Yeah. You know what? I, I'm only going to Tampa. It's like Tyler, you don't have a no trade clause.
0: Pete Carroll is like, you know what? Baker Mayfield, he can hand the ball off real well, so uh, you know he can be our quarterback.
1: Ground and pound, baby. But I will say, if he does go to the Colts, I'll say this: like, I'm, you know, I've my issue with Baker has come down to his leadership, how he handled the job last year, and just everything that kind of happened with it. I know he's toughing to play through it and everything, but he has talent, he has ability, and if he goes to Indianapolis with Frank Reich's offense and he's healthy. He can have a good year there. I think I think it can work out far better with him and Indy than it did with Carson Wentz.
0: Uh, final one. We've got to be really quick. Craig, with this question, what are your thoughts on Cadbury cream eggs? Not hate a fan. Them. Not hate a fan. Them. Not a fan. I'm a mini eggs guy. Mini. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, if yeah. I'm going for Easter candy, mini eggs, or uh, Kinder Surprise. Oh, I mean, I, if, if we're talking Kinder Surprise, that's Kinder Surprise. Best chocolate in the world, baby. It's just, I mean, super tasty. It's so good. Uh, That's it for the mailbag this week. Uh, Always get your questions in early. That way we could try to sort them and get through the best of them each and every week. Appreciate all those and appreciate all those that we did not get to as well. Mailbag Friday, every Friday on Canucks Central. Up next, we close out this edition and this week of Canucks Central on Sportsnet 650.
1: When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.